Amen. Young people, you are dismissed very quietly. Let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2. Are you glad you're saved? Amen. Luke chapter 2. All right. Let's remember some folks in prayer. A lot of colds and flus going around. We even have some COVID right now in the church. And so let's remember those that are sick. I went around. I said, have you seen so-and-so? No, they're sick today. And so let's, uh, let's remember one another, lift up each other in prayer. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know it's sometimes a little selfish, but we want to we feel well for Christmas, right? We want to enjoy that time with family. And so let's pray for one another that we'll have a good time of Christmas and a and, uh, good time in church next Sunday. We look forward to a great day in the house of the Lord. Let's remember uh, Krista Briggs. Her sister passed away this week. We've been praying for a couple years for her sister Karen that had cancer. And uh, so let's remember her and her family in prayer. And let's remember the Atkinson family. Muriel Atkinson went home to be with the Lord uh, this week. And uh, it was actually rather quick. My wife and I went and saw her last Saturday at home. And she was bright and cheerful. And uh, she was in bed still and uh, hoping to get up that day and move around a little bit. And, and when we walked in, it was like it always is, well, hello, Pastor. How are you today? And Miss Ida, how are you? And just very bubbly and cheerful. And she says, I feel so lazy laying in this bed, you know. And so she, she was doing very well. And then uh, she went to palliative care. We got a note. She went to palliative care. Brother Roberts and I went up first thing the next morning. We canceled staff meeting and said, let's get in the car. Let's go right to the hospital. And we got there just after she passed away. And so I'm thankful she didn't suffer all that long. She was just in the hospital overnight and the Lord took her home. Uh, 97 years old. And so I was thinking, Brother Ivan, I think that moves you up to our oldest member. And uh, that's, that's a great compliment. That means you've been faithful for a lot of years, and we appreciate you so much. But Mrs. Atkinson, uh, I got a note from the family today. They said, when you read some scripture at the funeral, would you please read about her faithfulness? And I thought, that's, that's, that's perfect. That's wonderful. And so let's remember that there's a visitation tomorrow at Murphy Funeral Home in Delhi from 4 to 6 p.m. And then on Tuesday at 11 a.m., there is a, uh, a funeral service at Murphy Funeral Home. It's not here at the church. It's at Murphy Funeral Home. And then there will be a luncheon to follow back here at Bethel. So the burial will be in Delhi, and then we'll come back here. And then so it's probably going to be... T- Almost 1 o'clock before we're back here for lunch. Mom needs help with sandwiches, okay? Is that right? Sandwiches or servers? Sandwiches, all right? So if you can uh, see my mom today and uh, help her with sandwiches. Like I said, so many people that she normally calls on are sick right now. And so she's going to need some extra help with sandwiches and things. So if you could do that. And so that's on Tuesday, all right? We appreciate your prayers uh, for those folks that have lost loved ones. Uh, I want to introduce some young people to you from Cleveland Baptist Church. Why don't you guys stand for me this morning? And uh, this is Kelvin. And beside him, Marissa. Now, fiance. I'm sorry? Next week is a fiancé? Is it a Christmas? No? Okay. Brother Stone told me fiancé, so I'm sorry. So anyway, I don't want to rush things. Uh, he just turned white. Did you see that? He just turned pale. And, so, and then this is his sister, Callie. She's the chaperone this weekend. And they're just praying about future ministry in Canada. And isn't that wonderful? We need servants. You're, I understand your dad is the assistant pastor at Cleveland, and assistant pastor at Cleveland Baptist Church under Brother Folger there. And so we're so thankful that you're here today. You may be seated, and I'm sorry for that mistake and the undue pressure. But how many of you are glad that you're past all that and you're married and you don't have to worry about all that? Amen. 
So praise the Lord. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 2. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. And even if he's not feeling it right now, we are. Amen. So he needs some medicine. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, we've been looking at the series for the month of December, Glory Touching Earth. Of course, that was the name of our Christmas cantata. And I thought it was just such a great theme for the Lord Jesus Christ coming from glory and touching earth. If you think about the grand scheme of human history, those 33 years the Lord Jesus Christ walked on the face of the earth have to be some of the most blessed years. The Lord Jesus Christ said in the book of John to his disciples, that it is expedient for you that I must go away, that the comforter may come. And, and he was saying, while I am here, he was the comforter. While he was yet present, the, the Pharisees asked the disciples or asked Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? They said, because I'm here with them. I'm here, I'm present. They can speak to me, they can get their prayers answered, they can know me personally. And, and so Jesus, while on earth, was some of the most, can you imagine being a disciple of Jesus Christ and gathering around a campfire with him? I remember in Bible college having those discussions in the Life of Christ class. Uh, our, our professor was Brother Ray Pratt, and Brother Pratt had gone to school, Dr. Rasky. And uh, they were still friends, and I, I believe Brother Pratt's sister was here just a few years ago to visit Mrs. Rasky. And, and so I remember Brother Pratt, we were sitting around in a classroom and, and uh, talking about just those times where Jesus was alone with his disciples and some of the things he must have instilled. Because the Bible says, from that time forward, he began to teach. And he'd tell the disciples about his death and his burial and his resurrection, even though they couldn't clue into it and understand it all. And some of those precious moments that Christ had alone with the disciples. One of the students I remember asked, asking Mr. Pratt, he said, do you think Jesus had a sense of humor? He said, well, you know, Jesus would never sit around a campfire and tell a dirty joke, obviously, but are you asking to... Did Christ laugh? Did Christ have a sense of humor? And he said, yes. He goes, well, God made you, didn't he? <laughs> and we could all point the finger at ourselves, couldn't we? That God must have a wonderful sense of humor to put up with us from time to time. But those 33 years were the most blessed years on the face of the earth because glory touched earth. But there's a day coming, isn't there? For a thousand years, he will rule and reign as he touches down on the Mount of Olives and returns in power and glory and splits that thing wide open. The armies of the earth will fall at his feet and be consumed in a moment by the word of God that goeth forth like a sharp sword out of his mouth. And then for a thousand years we will worship him in that millennial kingdom. And then one day we'll enter into eternity. The Bible says at the end of that thousand years the new Jerusalem will descend. You know, we sing that, or we don't sing it very often, but you hear that song, when the saints go marching in, I believe that's when it happens. When the new Jerusalem re re descends from the heavens and sets down on earth, and the Bible says that God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes, and we all march into that city together. What a wonderful time. But for now, we look to the word of God, and we find in those moments, that time, that glory touched earth. And I want to direct your attention to a phrase this morning from one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Boy, I like, I like this fellow Simeon. 
There's not a lot of mention about Simeon, just eight or nine verses in the Bible. The Bible says he was a just and a devout man, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. I like to picture it sometimes when the Bible says, and we'll read this verse together, it says he came by the Spirit in verse 27. He came by the Spirit into the temple that day. That means the Holy Spirit of God said, today is the day. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the Lord's Christ, the Bible says. And as he came that day, the Holy Spirit had promised him he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. But that day when he woke up and he opened his eyes and he thought it was just like every other day, the Holy Spirit beckoned him to come. I like to imagine Simeon as he walks through the marketplace on the way to his temple and folks are saying, good morning, Simeon. He says, I have no time to talk today. I'm on my way to see Jesus. No time to purchase bread and no time for frivolous activity and I'm not going to sit in the gates with the men and have a coffee this morning. The Holy Spirit has called me and I go to see the Christ. What a wonderful moment in Simeon's life. One day, you too will hear a voice. Child, come home. And we'll meet the Lord. Perhaps it'll be like Mrs. Atkinson at 7 a.m. in the morning to close your eyes and to wake in the presence of the Savior. Or maybe it'll be to the sound of a trumpet and we'll forever meet the Lord in the air. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Let's look at Simeon this morning, and I want to direct your attention to something he says. We've been focusing on that word glory. And he says in his, his uh, praise and worship time towards the Lord, he calls Jesus the glory of thy people Israel. What a title. The glory of thy people Israel. Let's look, if you will, in verse 22 of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 22. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem, Jesus is him, to present him, Jesus, to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Does anybody else find that funny? I do. I just... I love that Joseph and Mary were obedient to the Lord, that every child that comes from the womb must be presented. I, I love that, that they were obedient. But I picture it this way. Lord, have you met this child Jesus? Yeah, he's my son. You remember I overshadowed the womb of Mary and that thing which was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. Yes, we've met. Dedicated unto the Lord. He is of the Lord. He is the Lord dedicated from his birth to die for the sins of the world. I kind of find it humorous to think that they dedicated, but isn't it wonderful that even when ritual is not necessary, they did it out of obedience, and they followed the Lord's leading in their life. And the Bible says in verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the 
parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray together. Father, Bless your word, we pray. Magnify your word and speak to our hearts with your word today. Lord, I know that nothing I say is of any value, but the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And I pray, Lord, that it would do its work today, that the Spirit of God may use it to speak to lost souls. And if there's one here today that is in fact lost, they don't know Jesus as Savior, that today would be the day of eternal life. Lord, I pray you bless our church family. As we consider the glory of thy people Israel today, I pray, Lord, that it would encourage our hearts this Christmas season to be reminded to keep Christ central in our Christmas worship and celebration this year. So, Father, bless us, we pray. I surrender to you, and I ask that you might fill me. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, if you will, again at verse 32. As Simeon is worshiping the Lord and he's holding that Christ child in his arms, he says this, he is a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. The glory of thy people Israel. We think of the word glory in the Bible and it has a lot of different meanings. The Shekinah glory is the the glow or the glory that descended upon the tabernacle of the temple. We think about the glory that surrounds the throne of God, but this glory has a little bit different meaning. It means the preeminent one. It means a bright and shining star, if you will. Do you know that in a lot of things today, it's interesting, I was reading some uh, sports news yesterday and they said, well, you know, Kevin Gosman, a pitcher for the Blue Jays, has been named to the second Major League Baseball All-Star team for the end of the season and I thought, who cares? You have a job to do and do it, but the world loves to give awards, don't they? They're stars, they call them. If you appear on television or on the big screen, you're considered a movie star. If you're an athlete of any stature, if you're a little bit better than some other athlete, if you can hit more home runs or you can run faster or you can jump higher, and isn't that what the Olympics are all about? You've become a star. We give awards to all kinds of things, and, and unfortunately, really, Christians are not immune to that either. I've seen just recently the the gospel music hall of fame. Why are we so concerned about fame? There's one alone who is worthy. When Simeon that day came to the temple, let me tell you this. He was not concerned about anybody else, his fame or their stardom. There could have been a thousand Pharisees he ran by. There could have been Sadducees praying in the streets. There could have been scribes who were fasting and mourning, letting everybody know they hadn't eaten in days. He might have walked by the entourage of the great high priest. 
but he didn't care for any of them. He was going to see the glory of thy people Israel. Friends, if you get a chance to meet with Jesus, drop everything else. It saddens me today that we're so consumed with ball games and everything else that we'll miss a chance to meet with Jesus, to worship at his feet, to sing the praises of God's people in a house of worship. We'll put everything else before him. Simeon let nothing get in his way. I don't believe anything could have held him back that day. As the Holy Spirit tapped him on his shoulder that morning and said, today is the day. And he raced to the temple. Simeon gives us an idea why he was the glory of thy people Israel. There are some things that are revealed in the scriptures this morning I want to share with you that, that we see why he was the glory, why, why he should receive the glory, why he is the only one we really should be concerned about. Notice, if you will, first of all, very simple this morning, because of who he is. That's enough. That's enough. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ stepped through that door right there? What would we do? We'd surrender the pulpit in a hurry, wouldn't we? Lord, it's yours. This is the church of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about the Mormons. I just mean he is the head of the church. He is the preeminent one in the church. It is his church. He died for the church. We step aside and we give him glory and we lay down any crowns that we think we possess and we put them right at his feet. For it is his church. Just simply because of who he is. Look at verse 25. We see that the Holy Spirit has said something to Simeon about the glory of thy people Israel. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was just and devout, waiting for what? The consolation of Israel. Simeon was looking forward to something in his life, and he could have called him a lot of things. And perhaps you have a name for Jesus that is enduring. Maybe you look at him as your comforter. You, look at, you call him your friend. Maybe you look at him as the Prince of Peace. And we say, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. And perhaps you have that special term for Christ. But Simeon's was the consolation of Israel. How many of you have ever longed for peace? We'll look at that in a little bit more in depth in just a few moments. But his heart was set for the consolation of Israel. These are Luke's words describing Simeon's hope. He was hoping for one that would come. He was hoping for the Messiah that would come and bring consolation to Israel. It speaks of help. It speaks of one, the word consolation is one who comes alongside another in a difficult time. On Tuesday, some of us will go to a funeral service. How many of you have been to a funeral service before? Isn't it? I was talking with the family and, and the Atkinsons. They were saying to me, they said, you know, dad died in 95. We haven't planned a funeral in 29 years, almost. They said, we've had a couple siblings die, but they had spouses that took care of that. So we just, we, we're kind of lost. We don't know what to do. It's been 29 years since we planned a funeral. Isn't it good to have consolation in times like that? I said to them, let the church do what we do. Let the funeral home do what they do. They know what they're doing. Trust them. 
And just, just rest in that consolation. Let us come alongside. Let us, let us help you through this time of grief and sorrow. And, and you know when you get sorrowing and your grief is overbearing, that, that it's hard to think, isn't it? It's hard to remember your list. I said, let people help you. And that's all Simeon was saying. I, I'm just looking for that help that cometh from above. My help and my strength is in the Lord. And so he was looking for the consolation of Israel. It speaks of help, but it also speaks of hope. Isn't it good to know that under Roman authority and a messed up religious system and the persecution of the Pharisees and the high priest that he could say, my hope is in the Lord and I know he is coming. Amen. Isn't, it good to have that, isn't it good to have that hope today? Amen. Oh, friend, don't ever look to Ottawa for your hope. And I'm not, not bad-mouthing Ottawa. Not at all. We should pray for Prime Minister Trudeau. We should pray for our leaders but that's not where our hope lies. Our hope doesn't lie in Washington. It doesn't lie at the United Nations. It doesn't lie in human government. It lies in Jesus Christ. And friend, let me tell you this morning, he is coming again. Oh, what a day. What a day. Oh, I can tell you what, singing about our King of Kings stirred me up this morning. I, I, I was a little nervous. I thought, are people gonna be upset that I break with tradition and we don't have Christmas carols? Boy, to sing about the King. To sing about his throne. Man, I'm looking forward to that. That is our help and that is our hope. He talked about the consolation of Israel. Look at verse 26. And it was real. I'm just talking about who he is. It was revealed on him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon says, I'm looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit said to him, that's the Lord's Christ. You will not see death till you see him. The Lord's Christ. The word Christ there is the Greek form of the word Messiah. What a wonderful problem. What if, what if I could tell you today that the Holy Spirit has said to us, hey, you will not see death until you hear that trumpet sound. I can't promise you that. I wish I could. Wouldn't that be wonderful to know? I mean, do you know why the Lord doesn't tell us that? Because some of y'all would run up your credit card bill for Christmas and you do all kinds... <laughs> That's why we have to watch and wait and pray. But he is coming soon, I believe. And Simeon's answer to who is the consolation of Israel, the Holy Ghost said, it is the Lord's Christ. The Bible said Simeon was a just and a devout man, and his faith was such that the Holy Spirit gave him some insight that he might see the Lord's Christ. Now listen, do you know some Jews believe there was more than one Messiah? Do you know that? They believed that there might be a Ben Joseph and a Ben David, two different messiahs. One would be the suffering messiah and one would be the victorious, conquering savior. That helps us understand Matthew chapter 11 a little better. Because John the Baptist, in prison and in despair, asked the disciples to go and ask Jesus, are you he that should come or do we look for another? He was wondering. Is that Jewish sect that believes in two Messiah? Are they right, Jesus? Are you going to be the suffering Savior? Maybe there's another that will come and redeem Israel? But do you know what the Holy Ghost said to Simeon? You will not die until you see the Lord's Christ. There's one. The means Singular. It's a qualifier that eliminates all others, just like he is the way and the truth and the life. He is the Lord's Christ. 
There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We must come through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord's Christ. But then we see in verse 30, we're talking about who he is today and why he is the glory of thy people Israel. Look what it says in verse 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now Simeon comes to the temple and he scoops baby Jesus up in his arms. And he says, thine eyes have seen my salvation. That word salvation there is not the same as we think of salvation We think of salvation as that moment we trust in Christ and he comes into our life and he redeems us from our sins. This is literally looking at Jesus. It means the one who embodies salvation. Boy, there's a good application there. Salvation is not a prayer. It's a person. Salvation is not a church or a ritual or a uh, we'll have a baptism later today it's it's not about all those things it's about the person of Jesus Christ and Simeon understood that when he picked up the Christ child he said this is my salvation can you imagine to those around that must have sounded like blasphemy those that were there to offer lambs and those that were there to worship the most high God and those that were there to, to, to pay all those priests and the penance, all the things that they would do and all their ritualistic ceremony for him to hold a little baby and say, this is my salvation. But that's who Jesus is. He is the glory of thy people Israel because without him you cannot be saved. Amen. And then we see one more reason, verse 12 Boy, this gets personal right here. He is a light to lighten the Gentiles. You say, what is a Gentile? You. Let me, let me just ask you this morning. Is there anybody here? And you're in a safe place. Don't worry about this. Is there anybody here that's of Jewish heritage? Have Anybody here that's a Jew? Jewish heritage? No? Anybody? Oh, back there somewhere. I don't know. There he is. All right, brother. Oh, yeah, brother. Actually, I remember Yes, you shared a little bit of your family with us. Yeah. To the Jew first, but also to the Greek. The Bible says he was a light and he's the glory of thy people Israel. But he's a light to lighten the Gentiles. That's when salvation came to all of us. Boy, that must have sounded like blasphemy too. Out of the mouth of Simeon, mine eyes have seen my salvation how many of you think Simeon was quiet about what he was doing? I, I don't know. I, the Bible doesn't say it, but I don't get that he was quiet about it. It just feels like he wanted to praise the Lord. And by the way, he was about to die. He didn't care. He says, I, I let down thy servant depart in peace. Do whatever you want. I've seen my salvation. And by the way, he's for everybody. He's a light to lighten the Gentiles. What a wonderful message. He is the glory of thy people Israel because of who he is. I'm just going to read John. The Apostle John also writes in his great gospel about Jesus being the light. Listen to this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and he was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. 
He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth, listen to this, every man that cometh into the world. Not just the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews, but it's for everybody. He is the glory of thy people of Israel, simply, number one, because of who he is. Number two, because of what he gives. Look at verse 25 with me again. Because of what he gives. Oh, I like this. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Do you know who looks for consolation? Those who have no peace. Now, I, I, I want to believe in my heart that Simeon was a man of peace because he was just, he was devout, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. But what was he praying for? He was praying for the consolation of Israel. He's saying, God, your people are not at peace. The world is not at peace. All of Israel is in disarray. Israel had been scattered abroad many times throughout her history. Israel was under Roman persecution. They were taxed into literal poverty. They were a hurting people. There was a corrupt priesthood that kept them under their thumb and caused them to do many things that the Bible says even the, the priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they weren't willing to do. But they were grievous burdens upon the backs of men. He said, oh God, we need consolation. Oh God, I'm waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for peace. Look at verse 29. Simeon leaves that morning as the Holy Ghost has tapped him on the shoulder and he goes to the temple and he picks up that Christ child in verse 28 in his arms and he said, let now thy servant depart in what? Do you know when he found peace? When he found Jesus. What a simple message. You see, I, I kind of feel like Simeon. I'm praying for peace in my family. I need peace in my home. Maybe there's one today that says, I need peace in my life. I need the consolation. I need the consolation of God. What can I do for some peace? Simeon tells us this morning. When he picked up that child, he says, oh, I found peace. Now thy servant can depart in peace. Looking in the eyes of Jesus Christ, just a few days old, he knew that everything would be okay. That peace would one day come to Israel. Oh, they're not there yet, are they? 2,000 years later and they still wait. But one day he'll return. And he will be the Prince of Peace. Let me tell you this this morning. If you will meet Jesus today, I can't promise you that everything will be perfect. But I'll tell you this, you'll have a hope in your heart and a peace that passes understanding and you will know that God is in control and that one day he'll bring peace. The Bible says this, in Philippians chapter 4, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Isaiah chapter 9 says he will be the Prince of Peace. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he was leaving his disciples, said this in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The scripture does not tell us when Simeon died. I don't know if he went home and laid down on his bed and passed away. I have no idea. He might have lived another five years, maybe ten. I don't know. But I'll tell you this, he never forgot that encounter. And I, I dare say that you could bring all kinds of drama into his life and he'd just smile and say, I got peace. Because I met somebody. I met the Prince of Peace. And friends, you can know him today as well. So he is the glory of thy people Israel for who he is, for what he gives, and number three, because of why he came. Why did Jesus come? Well, if I took you to another scripture, I'd say he came to seek and to save that which was lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But look, if you will, in our text this morning in verse 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of who? All. You say, not me, preacher. You don't know the sins I've committed. No, he prepared it in the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. He came to bring salvation to the whole world. Again, we hear blasphemy, don't we? If you're a Jewish leader, if you're a Pharisee in that temple, to think that salvation was for anybody but the Jews. But he came for the whole world. He came as a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Listen, friends, it is an all-people salvation. You can come to Jesus today and be saved. As a matter of fact, you must be born again. Through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. Do you know Jesus today? Salvation is for everyone. But I want you to see something. Verse 31. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. You know, you can have something prepared and never take advantage of it. I'm expecting next Tuesday, a week from Tuesday, to have a big Christmas dinner prepared at Mom's. And uh, you go in and smell that turkey. We having turkey? We are now, amen. <laughs> and one of my favorite things is squash. That's divisive, I'm going to tell you. Some people don't like squash. I love squash. I love the, the broccoli casserole, the green bean casserole, I like it all. You, listen, you don't get a body like this being picky. <laughs> but I, I like it all. Now, I'll tell you, mom has compromised. She started making dressing instead of stuffing. You say, what's the difference? Stuffing is stuffed in something, right? And you get all the juices, but now it's dressing anyway. That's a, that's a debate and a sore spot at our house, but I'm going on record and saying it's compromise. But she can work and work and work and prepare that meal, but if we don't show up and take, take of it, I'm not going to get the blessing of it. God has prepared it before all he is today. 
It's like there's just a big old banqueting table sitting right up here. And God says, come and dine. Come. Isn't there a parable about that? A master created a great feast. He says, invite them to come, and they wouldn't come. He says, go on the highways and the hedges and compel them that my table might be full. God has prepared a great table today. Would you come and dine? Would you feast? I like that old song, feasting on the riches of his grace. Isn't that a great line? Feasting on the riches of his grace. You can be born again today, but you have to take of what he has offered. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Grace is preparing the table. Faith is pulling up a chair and taking what God has given you. It's the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I wish I could have heard Simeon preach. I have a feeling he preached to everybody who would listen all the way home. The Bible says they ran around, they told everybody. Can you imagine what it was like to hear the gospel that day from the lips of Simeon? He is the glory of thy people Israel. Why, Simeon? Just because of who he is. Just because he is salvation. He is a light. Why is he the glory of thy people Israel? Because of what he gave. He comes to give peace. Have you ever said that out loud? Oh, I just need a little peace. Maybe you put the word and quiet after it. I could just use a little peace. I saw a funny thing this week. Pastor Boyd Stansford sent it to me. And it says, Christmas is a wonderful time of year. If somebody knocks on your door, you can say, don't come in here. And they'll think you're wrapping gifts when you really just want to be left alone. (laughs) Have you ever felt like that? I just want a little peace. You can find it in Jesus Christ today. And because of why he came to offer us salvation. The table's prepared. You just have to pull up a chair. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts today. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the glory of thy people Israel. Oh God, if there's one here today that doesn't know Christ as Savior, will they accept him today before it's eternally too late?